Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are the God of miracles. And God, we need this morning, we need your supernatural love. God, as we look at a world around us that is hurting, that is broken, only the supernatural love of God can change that. God, we thank you this morning for your presence. God, we thank you for joining us in this place. And God, we pray that you're glorified in the worship that we brought this morning. God, speak to us through your word. God, speak to us through our hearts this morning. God, have your way in us. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's hot in Texas. Imagine that. Tonight at the uh, Weatherford Pavilion, uh, that is uh, over there by the police station on Santa Fe in that park that goes through there. There's a pavilion between uh, Santa Fe and that other road over there and uh, by the bridge. And they're having a prayer meeting over there, an outdoor prayer meeting tonight for uh, all the churches in Parker County. So if you want to participate in that, that would be a wonderful thing to, to do, I, I think. I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is and what all is going to be taking place, but uh, it might be a good opportunity to get together with other brothers and sisters in the Lord and pray for the situation we're finding today in, in our country. So, today, forgiveness. 1 Peter 4.8, I want to begin there. 1 Peter 4.8, above all, that's where how it starts. Above all, above all says to us, take serious attention with this. Pay attention to this. This is something that's really, really crucial and really, really important to us. So above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So above all, beyond all the issues, beyond all the problems, beyond opinions, beyond conflicts, beyond all, above all, keep loving one another. Now, when you're in a wrestling match and they got a hold of you, you got to keep fighting, right? You got to keep maneuvering. You got to keep pressure. You've got to to lease, if they've got a good hold on you, you have got to get some leverage so that you can get where you need to be and put the pressure on your opponent. Now, there's a lot of pressure on believers today. There's a lot of pressure taking place. When you see all the pressure, when you see the stronghold, when you see all that taking place, above all, keep loving one another. Keep on loving. When others aren't loving, we're called on to love. When others fail to see opportunities to love, we who are called, we who are of faith, we of God's children, we are called on to keep on loving. So if you're in a difficult place, if you're in a hard spot, if you're in a hard spot, personally, if you're in a hard spot family-wise, if you're dealing with struggles and problems and conflicts and opinions that, that you believe to be untrue, you got to keep on loving. you got to keep on loving. You remember we talked about the mask, anti-mask controversy that is going to be a difficult thing for churches to overcome. It's just going to be. 
And, and, and we're going to see that for a long time to come, I'm pretty sure. In the midst of all the different controversies that are taking place, we're called on, above all, to keep loving. Continue. And not just keep loving one another with a soft love, not with a, a casual love, but the word earnestly is used. The word earnestly is a word that means with conviction. We are to, above all, keep loving one another with conviction, with sincerity, not casually, not flippantly, not, not just going through the motion with love, but to love one another earnestly, with conviction. And I'm so thankful the second part of this verse is in the Bible because I need this verse for relationships to be experienced. I need this in my life. I need Susan to have this kind of love that she has conviction that she loves me earnestly because it says, since love covers a multitude of sins. I'm so thankful for that. Because for me, not many close friends without love covering a multitude of sins. Multitude means so many you can't count, doesn't it? When you're going through your multiple tables, now you probably weren't because you're all so much smarter than I was, but I remember the difficult time I had with multiplication tables. One times seven equals seven made no sense to me because seven times is something ought to be a bunch, but it's only one. How can that be? I struggled with that. You're laughing at that, but there's kids in school today that say one. Now you got only got one, but he got seven. Then how does that work out that it's only seven? Because it seems like it should be beyond that, right? Multiples, more than you can count. Exponentially, multiples, many, 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 many sins. Too many to count. Too many to handle on our own, in our own flesh, on our own, that we haven't been impacted by the good news of Jesus, then that is going to be a difficult thing to love people with multiple sins when it's multiplying. But the love of God that we receive through salvation in Jesus is beyond the love that we have, and we can't, we can't cover a multitude of sins with our own strength, with our own power. You just can't do it. It can't be done. So, to begin with, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that love, says it's patient, it's kind, and all those things, but it says in there that love is not resentful. It says in other translations for that idea to be... Um, uh, revealed to us, it says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, those two things, I think, in the practical sense, are opposites to each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't cover a multitude of sins when we're keeping score. When we're tabbing things up, right? So, They've done too much to me. I'm done with them. That's keeping score. That's resentment. That's not love covering a multitude of sins. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Okay? Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said, For if you forgive men... 
when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. However, but, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It really does say that in the Bible. Jesus really did say that. He said that you're going to be in a bad way if you do not forgive people's sins. Now, he's talking about uh, the sins that people commit on a regular basis after salvation, not forgiven of sin, but the sins that we have. So we're going to be in a bad way if we don't forgive other people. We are going to be burdened with our sins. We are, first of all, from where First John teaches us, we may have a relationship with God, but we're not going to be in fellowship with God. You may have a relationship with people that you haven't forgiven, maybe your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your church folk, who, that's who it may be. But if you do not forgive their sins, then you're going to be walking around with a heavy weight, heavy burden of your sins. So, when you read people talk about the experience they had when they forgave someone, when you hear a testimony of what happened in someone's life when they forgave someone, and they speak about there was a releasing. There was a lightening of the load. There was a freedom that I experienced when I forgave. When I released that. And, and, and that's what happens. When we forgive others, then we're forgiven. And, and that is released from us. And the only way probably that people can, can articulate it is to say, I am free. Now, you're free from the control the other people had on you. You're free from the burden of it. You're free from the obsession of thinking about it all the time. But Jesus clearly says here that if you don't forgive other people, you're not going to be forgiven. That's a, that's a warning, I think, the Scripture gives to us. Paul said, be kind and compassionate to one another in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Now, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now that alone, without the good news, is a horrendous burden. In our own strength, this is an unbelievable burden for people to carry around. And so we've got to understand that this is only possible with the good news being activated in us, with us understanding what we have been forgiven from. But we're called on in Christ to forgive other people the way we have been forgiven. And so that's a difficult place to start. That's where we start. Now, I sat down and thought about some signs that you may, may indicate that you have trouble with forgiveness. And, and to be honest with you, this is probably for me more than you, I'm quite sure. But here are just some signs, some indicators, some possibilities that you may indeed struggle with forgiveness. One idea might be, one sign could possibly be, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, with their service, with even the food, and you never, ever go back. 
there might be a chance, just a possibility that you have a problem with forgiveness. Maybe. Not quite sure for everyone if that's a broad brush principle. I don't think it's a matter of the truth. Probably just a matter of opinion. You can take it or leave it. But just a thought provoker, I hope. This, I think, is a little more clear, however. If you have a long list of people that you will never speak to again, you got problem with forgiveness. If you have a medium list of people that you'll never speak to again, speak to again, you got problem with forgiveness. If you have a short list of people that you'll never speak to again, forgiveness is a matter that you've got to deal with. If you struggle with having close friends, there's a good chance that you may have problem with forgiveness. Now, many people think about this. I'm just not personable. I'm not outgoing. I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm not good with communication. I'm not good with sharing feelings and all those kind of things. All that, if you have conviction about being close with other people and loving other people. Now, most likely it's not the personality things that are going on it's a pretty good chance that there's a forgiveness issue that's going on. Now, if you are obsessed with a wrong that you have experienced, I mean obsessed by it, it's what you think about. It's what motivates you. It's what uh, 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 causes you pain all the time. It's what causes you a burden all the time. If it's what sours your thoughts about people, about the person, about the experience, and you just can't get away from it, most likely there's, an, there's a forgiveness issue that's in your world. If you avoid people that you have had disagreements with, there's a good chance that you have a forgiveness issue. If you're easily offended Easily offended. There might be a forgiveness issue if you're, if you're hypersensitive to people disagreeing with you. And my, 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 is that not a cultural matter today? Holy cow. Holy cow. And social media is just magnifying that. You can't stand being told you're wrong. At the root of all that is a love issue, a forgiveness issue. Because forgiveness is the byproduct or one of the results of love. And if you can't stand anyone telling you you're wrong, there's most likely a forgiveness issue. If you need to control relationships, if you need to be in charge, if you need to have your way, if your opinion needs to be uh, the clearest in the room. If you need to be the one that everyone listens to, if when you strip all that back and you walk through the process of trying to figure out why in the world you have such a controlling nature to you, there might be a matter of forgiveness that's impacting you. And it may have been something that happened a long time ago and it hurt you deeply and it really did pay a toll on you and now what you're trying to do is control all your relationships so you think you can never hurt like that again. 
But that's a possibility that all of us need to consider. I think it's very clear that for a believer, certainly, if life is more misery than fun, there probably is a forgiveness issue. If life is more misery than fun, as at the end of the day, if you think about it, I have, I have more hurt, more problems, more difficulties, more angst than I do just having fun. It might be, if you strip that back, that there is a forgiveness issue. If you're stuck believing forgiveness is up to you, if you believe that forgiving other people is up to your ability to forgive, it's up to you to muster up the ability to forgive, if it's up to you to make it happen, then there's a misunderstanding of what love and forgiveness is all about in the context of what God has done for us through Christ. Matthew chapter 18. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 18, in verses 18 through 20, first of all, Jesus is describing the activity that we need to go through to reconciling conflicts. If someone has sinned against you, you go to them personally. Okay? You try to work it out. If, you, if you're able to work it out, you've won a brother back. That's a good thing. There's a, a relationship that's back in place. If, if that didn't work out, then you take someone with you to have the conversation. If that doesn't work out, then you get the church involved to hopefully bring about a reconciliation of the broken relationship that was a result of the sin that was committed against someone. Against you. All right? Now, Peter's hearing all that. Peter's taking this all in. And in verse 21, Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? That's a good question. That's an important question. I mean, he's hearing Jesus says, we go one-on-one, -on -one, then we take someone else with us, and then we get others involved, we get the church involved, so that we can resolve this conflict if someone has sinned against you. So Peter's kind of walking this forward, and he's thinking about it. If, if I'm going to be reconciled to people, then I've got to forgive people, and they've got to forgive me. And so he's putting all this together. Now, you know Peter's got to deal with that, because Peter's used to putting his foot in his mouth all the time. Peter is used to making people mad. Peter is an Enneagram 8. Guarantee you, I'm an Enneagram 8. One of my friends I went to seminary with told me we were leaving one day driving back to Buckner Children's Home where we worked, and he was in the car, and he said, man, I've never seen anybody quite like you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I've never seen anybody that walks in a room and ticks people off without even saying anything. I said, man, it just comes natural. I don't know what to say to you. He said, man, you're amazing. He said, at, at lunch today, we were having a good time. We were eating our burger and taking care of things. And everybody's laughing. And you came up and said two or three things. And before we knew it, there was an issue going on. And, and you didn't have a clue, did you? No, I didn't know what was going on. No, of course I don't. 
And so Peter was like that. Peter was used to having people upset with him about what he said, about what he did, about how he handled something. Peter was all out there. Nothing was hidden. It was all on the table. He said what he thought. And so Peter, he works his out. He says, man, that's going to be a bad deal with all the forgiven I'm going to have to be doing. I'm sure he's thinking about it. I'll have to be forgiving people in the boat with me. I'll have to be forgiving people in, the, in Capernaum. I'll have to be forgiving my mother-in-law. Remember, the story about the mother-in-law was healed by Jesus in Capernaum. And he's, I'm sure he's beginning to think through all this, and he's beginning to process all the things and all the possibilities of forgiveness that he's going to have to be doing. So, he wants a number. If he can have a number, he might make it. Right? Don't you think that's what's going on in Peter's life? Because Peter said, all right now, Lord, let me ask you a question. I've been thinking about this, and if someone sins against me, how many times did I got to forgive them? Before what? Before he never goes back to that restaurant, before he's done with them, before he never talks with them again, before he avoids them, before he says they're not worth dealing with. Because, because after a certain amount of offenses, be done with them. Peter don't have time for people who are, who are getting in his way. Peter don't want to put up with all that nonsense. And so he wants a number. And the truth of the matter is, when it comes to forgiveness, we would all like a number. If I can have a number that I can keep score with, and I can put a little mark by every time that person offends me, or that person speaks ill of me, or that person just disappoints me, or betrays me, or, or doesn't treat me fairly, then I'll mark that number down, and when I get to that number, it's going to be a great day. Because I'll be free to pop them in the mouth. I'll be free to insult them. I'll be free to nail them. I'll be free to get vengeance. And I'm not about getting vengeance. I'm not about getting even. I'm about getting ahead. That's Peter. Just give me a number, Lord. If you'll just give me a number, I'll go to work. If you'll just give me a number, I'll be satisfied. Peter gives a big number for Peter. Now, for some people, this is not a big number. But for Peter, I reckon this is a big number. Six times, the Lord won't accept that. Eight times, I can't handle that. I mean, eight times. If you're going to put up with someone eight times, I mean, come on. You're not going to deal with someone's sin against you eight times. So, seven is a good number. Now, Peter didn't understand this, but seven's a good number for spiritual things, right? Now, he didn't know that. But as many as seven times, that was his number. He's negotiating. Peter's negotiating. Now, if you're negotiating whether or not to forgive, you're always wrong. You're always wrong. If you're always negotiating whether or not you have the right to hammer someone or forgive them, you're wrong. You're negotiating. You're rationalizing. 
Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Or, proper translation most likely is 70 times seven. Which is a high number. It's 490, right? Am I right? I don't know for sure. Am I right? Thank you. 490 times. Now, in relationships, in relationships, you know it's not going to end well if you're keeping score and you look every day and you're at 471. We're getting close. I'm getting close. I'm going to let them have it as soon as 491 happens. They're going to get it. But you know that's not what Jesus is saying there. Jesus is saying you're not to keep score. It's a high number. Peter, your number is seven. My number is 490. But my number is not really what I'm saying here. I'm giving you a lesson. I'm helping you understand. I'm giving you a number that is right now at this particular time blowing your mind. You're always to forgive, Peter. You're always to forgive. And he tells him this parable. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children. And all that he, that all that he had and payment be to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, a couple things to have in mind here. This servant owed an amount that he could not pay back. He could not pay it. It was beyond him. For some of us, that's 1000 For some of us, that's 5000 For some of us, that's 10000 right? For some of us, it might be a higher number of a number that if we're in debt, this number, we'll never be able to pay it back and we'll be an indentured servant. And we'll be a slave to the, the interest charge that we're going to have. And, and most likely, the principal's going to stay there. And if it's a real high number, we're only going to pay interest. But most likely, if it's a debt that we can't pay, it doesn't matter what the number is, we're not even going to be able to pay the interest that's on that debt. A debt you can't pay. He owed a debt he couldn't pay. Jesus said, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it's like. There is a debt that you can't pay. And we understand through the good news, the gospel, and what the kingdom of God is like, the debt of sin we cannot pay. The debt of sin we cannot be good enough to make up for it. The debt of sin none of us, none of us can ever work hard enough or be religious enough or do enough good things to be counted on enough times in the right place at the right time that God looks down at us and says, now you've done enough. We never ever are able to ever do enough 
We have a debt that we cannot pay. And we come before the Lord and ask our king, ask our owner to release us from that debt. We are released from that debt by the blood of Christ. The forgiveness of our sins. All right, verse 28. But when that same servant, which servant is that? The one that had a debt he couldn't pay. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So, he owed $10,000, a debt he couldn't pay, and he leaves after being forgiven, releasing the debt, and he goes out there in the street and he sees someone that owes him a hundred dollars. And he steams. He's furious. No way, no how, that scoundrel. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get my money out of him. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. There you have it. At the root of all the issues we have with love, we're saying, pay what you owe. To the people that we have a difficult time forgiving, in reality, what we're saying to them, what we're shouting to them is, pay what you owe me. You owe me. Pay me back. You wrong me. Make up for it. You hurt me. You, you, you stole my job. You, you stole my client. You, you, you treated me wrongly in this area, this area, this area. You said the wrong thing to me. You were unkind to me. You were unkind to my, unkind to my family. You were unkind to my wife. You owe me. That's the mindset. That's the condition of heart. Pay what you owe. So this fellow's, his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now that's the exact same thing that he asked for in the debt that he couldn't pay. He refused. He refused to be loving. He refused to be gracious. He refused to pass on what he had experienced from God. He refused and went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? The answer to that question is yes. Absolutely yes. Now, we have been forgiven of a debt that we couldn't pay. Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt of our sin. We have eternal life because our debt has been forgiven. And so, if you put forgiveness, 
just right there at the backdrop of the cross, we never, ever, ever have the right to not forgive someone. Because if we choose not to forgive, if we don't forgive because we've had enough, if we don't forgive because we've been through this over and over and over, and by gosh, enough's enough, then we are losing sight of what God has done for us and paid our debt. Now, let me stop right there and help you understand something that's misunderstood about forgiving. Forgiving people, it does not mean approving of what they did. It does not mean pretending that evil never took place. It does not mean that we're making excuses for other people's bad behavior. It does not mean that we're justifying evil so that sin becomes somehow or another less evil or less sinful. It does not mean overlooking abuse. It does not mean denying that others have tried to hurt us repeatedly. It does not mean that we're letting others walk all over us. It doesn't mean we're refusing to press charges when a crime has been committed. It doesn't mean that we're forgetting the wrong that was done. And the truth of the matter is, forgiving people doesn't mean that you forget not to be put back in that situation, especially if it's some kind of domestic abuse that's going on. It does not mean pretending that you were never hurt. It doesn't mean that at all. Do you think there's ever been a time that our Heavenly Father has ever lost sight of what He did for us through Christ? Absolutely. It does not mean that it's in your best interest and the other person's best interest to restore the relationship to what it was before. Sometimes we have to understand that forgiving people means that we establish real good boundaries. If that's the kind of situation that we're in. It does not mean that we necessarily become friends again. Maybe that's not best for what we need to do. It does not mean that there is total reconciliation in such a way as if nothing ever really took place. It does not mean that you must tell the person that you have forgiven them if it's feeding pearls to swine. And that's another story to understand what that's about. It does not mean that all the negative consequences of sin are canceled when we forgive. However, we are not to allow any sin against us Get in the way of forgiving people. Because we had a debt that we couldn't pay. And there was no way to make up for that debt. And we have been absolutely through Christ released from that debt. So true forgiveness, total forgiveness. Forgiveness is a result of awareness, of comprehension, of understanding of what God has done for you through Jesus. Unforgiveness 
is the result of awareness, understanding of what you have done for God. And I promise you that if you struggle as a believer, as a truster of Christ, you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you are experiencing the stronghold of unforgiveness, your focus is in what you have done for God rather than what God has done for you. And you are throwing out there to the one that's offended you, you owe me. You owe me. And that gets in the way of forgiveness. So, without the good news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and by His shedding His blood for us, because we had a debt that we can't ever pay, and He forgives us and He loves us and He sets us free from the burden and the penalty of sin, surely we ought to forgive. Surely we ought to forgive and be forgiving people. Above all, above all, beyond all, above all, the highest goal that you have, above all, love one another with earnesty. Earnestness. Love each other with conviction. Keep on loving one another. Since... Because the result of that love is love covers a multitude of sins. You get to be free. You get to be free. You get to be free when you experience God's love and you're just that conduit that lets it go to other people. Above all, above all, continue to love each other with all your heart with conviction. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Father, help us, Lord, to be loving. Help us, Lord, to be forgiving. Help us to take these words seriously. Matters of our heart. And Lord, help us to, to be obedient. Lord, today, perhaps there's some people here at home that there, there's an issue, a matter, a conflict, a broken a relationship that desperately needs forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that You will, by Your Spirit, allow us to see today that it's not through our strength and power that we forgive, but through You, Lord, by Your power. It glorifies You when we forgive. It honors You when we forgive. It, it, it is Your power that is required for us to be able to forgive. And it's all a result of Your goodness to us in what you've done for us through the cross. Lord, I just pray that you bless us, strengthen us, guide us. May we be faithful in all areas. And help us, God, to above all, keep on loving each other with conviction. Lord, we're thankful that love covers a multitude of sins. In Jesus' name, amen.